all your school rugby all in one place. This is Next Gen 50. Hello and welcome to the Next Gen 15 podcast. I'm Angus Savage alongside me, Dan Richards, as always. Dan, how are you doing? Down in Wales today. Yeah, yeah, just uh, down on a trip to your family, but yeah, really good. Thanks, looking forward to talking about what's been another fantastic week of schoolboy rugby and, and getting stuck into an, another interesting debate about who should who should make that side at nine. So yeah, no, lots to talk about. I know we were thinking about doing nine and ten, and then I got looking at all the nines, and I thought, my God, we, we're gonna <laughs> we've got a lot to get through on the nines front. Um, but first of all, a bit of housekeeping. You can get in touch with us on at NextGen15. That's at NextGenXV on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We're also on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, where you can actually watch us if you are uh, so inclined. Um, it's a busy one this week. We've got loads of stuff coming up. There's some news. We're going to talk about transition from uh, school to the pro game and other options that might be available. Of course, look at our top five from the weekend just gone. And then, of course, into those scrum halves, which is going to be really quite an interesting one. First of all, though, in the news, it was the first round of the Schools Cup um, last week, and we've seen a couple of others sort of tidying tidying that up. In fact, a big one, Fimbra beating Ipswich yesterday afternoon, which is a, a major result. But all in all, thoughts on thoughts on the Schools Cup? I'm really enjoying that. Um, it's a it's a denser competition this year. Um, which seems to mean that the fixtures are a lot more competitive. In years gone by, we'd see a lot of um, a lot of kind of walkovers early on, and then it get competitive as it got later. Yeah, we talked about competitions a little bit, haven't we? Under eighteen, particularly, has been in a bit of a mess. Is a harsh word, but but for a while, um, you know, that under fifteen schools cup has kind of always been be meritocratic and you have a crack, and for a number of reasons, you know, historically the Mel Cup, as it used to be, you know, in the days of Wilson's dominance and stuff like that, who obviously you get a rule change around well, how many boys can join school, which means some schools don't play. And then you get this one term, two term thing, which is, and, and it's, but it seemed as though after a period of, you know, it's not having a super strong cup competition for whatever reason, you know, with the, I always liked the Champions Trophy, but that maybe the split didn't quite work, even though it, I thought it was a good idea. But then now the schools cut. More teams have gone back into it. I think more teams are developing their players through through the school, which means that they can compete in it. And yeah, we're getting some. And I think that splitting of the cup and vase um, into two different tiers has, has what seems to have worked quite nicely. And as you said, we seem to be getting both competitions, be it cup and vase at the moment, with with plate and bowl to come. Uh, some really good, well balanced fixtures, which, as we talked about a lot, balanced fixtures is what we want to see. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I was always a massive fan of the Champions Trophy. I thought it was, it just produced very good games. Um, but I suppose the advantage of the, well, the disadvantage of it was that you ended up with this saturation of competitions where probably the quality was too diluted across everything because you had too many things going on. And now you've got a denser competition. Um, and because of that, I mean, there's only what, one, two, three rounds of the school's cup before the quarterfinals. So the, mm. the big problem that a lot of schools used to have, which was we're playing too many fixtures because we're playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, less of a burden there because they're now playing, you know, Saturday, Wednesday, two more Saturdays, then a Wednesday, and, you know, you've got a bit of spacing. Um, yeah. But it's been a pretty good start. There's been some, been some cracking performances. Um, another competition, of course, that's that's 
coming this year, the school's championship, that returns on Saturday. We're going to be down at Wellington yeah. College for Wellington College against Millfield. Massive game. I mean, a massive game in any year, particularly massive this year. You were obviously at the helm last year and it was a, I watched that one. It was an absolute cracker. Won it, won in the end by a spectacular Amir Sultan Edwards uh, try, but an absolutely brilliant game. Real showcase of the very best of uh, of school rugby and now they now they turn around and it's at Wellington College should be a brilliant game yeah that, look, that'll be that'll be great again I think I've said before you know I, I'm a believer that competitions like school championship leagues of kind of like-minded like-leveled schools are, are probably the way forward to stop that fixture congestion and I think we've already seen with the couple of schools championship games we've had um this will be great. You know, Wellington will have been frustrated with their start against Harrow, but since then, you know, they've corrected that with a good school championship win against um, against Whitgift, and then and then have kind of followed that on with with two good wins. Millfield, kind of similar story, and that you know will have probably I'm not sure shocked is the right word because they will have known exactly how good Clifton were going to be. But yeah. said, you know, they obviously weren't on the side of the result they would have wanted to be there. Fantastic game that I still think probably the best game of rugby I've seen this far this year was, was actually the first one um, yeah. was, a, was a hell of a game and um, I think you know they they sort of got everything rolling from there you know and they're, they're flying as well so now again at big side who makes the most of it probably again two sides looking to play I think a fairly similar way you know looking to the balls into the wide spaces, looking to play a pretty expansive game. So that should, you know, almost a kind of wins versus little bears type game where you should be both teams looking to. I don't think either team's going to be looking to, you know, maul and brawl each other to death. So I could be wrong there. Let's see. It's going to, I'm going to let out how, how would the rain not be all driving line outs, but we should make it a really, yeah, if we get the right weather, Millfield Wellington, normally a pretty fast paced, pretty high school game that's, that, that's great to watch. And, and I'm sure this this weekend will be no different. Yeah, and I mean that thing about the you know two sides that are going to want to play. I mean traditionally both sides love to love to have a go, uh, and it's the sort of fixture that allows some of those you know those real future stars of the game to to have a to have a shine, and even just those lads that are going to be kind of schoolboy level stars to really shine. I mean, you look at last year's game. Obviously, there's that there's that Amir try at the end. But I thought, you know, you, you would have seen much more of him than me, but he's a guy we're going to come on to talk about a bit later. But I thought that was one of the, the best games I saw Murdoch Locke have at, at Scrum Half for, for Wellington. Um, it, was, it was just a nightmare. He looked he looked as though he wanted to box kick it all day. And then suddenly about halfway through, he just started making breaks. And I remember one, it was like 80 metres or something. It was just, yeah, you these are sort of games that these guys flourish in. And it's just, you know, it's going to be a real treat for people on Saturday. Yeah, look, it's a game, and it is rightly or wrongly, these are games that lots of other people attend to. So the pathway will pay attention. I would have thought there'll be a couple of guys who uh, are linked to the pathway and, and and a few academies they're watching. Normally, not even just the academies that the sides are in region of. You know, I know Northampton State historically have, have been to watch it quite a bit and stuff like that. Um, there's also you said we'll talk about Mill a bit more transition, but yeah, that. It was actually his last game for 15 aside. Came on pitch in terms of game for us because 
and even more impressive was that actually he was playing all of that second half with a pretty serious knee injury. Um, which so, and again, we'll talk about his Bath, you know, now, now going really well down at Bath and, and linked to the uni, having done really well in his A levels. Um, yeah, he was stand up that day. I remember Mike Baxter, who at that point was assistant director of rugby at, uh, at Millfield, moved on to Cry Park now, who himself was an iron professional nine, sort yeah. of saying. You know, that was one of the best nine performances he'd seen for a for a number of years. And I think I remember you know, may not being delighted. I think when someone in your own position recognises how well you've played that day, that's um you know, that's pretty special. So now he was good that day, but as you say, Millfield right, it was a great game last year. I think it was the right result, it was a fair result. Millfield did come out on top, but it was just a great advert for the schoolboy game. And yeah, as you said, that fantastic try to win it from Amir was Deserved a special moment. Finish it. It was, it was uh, fit, and, fitting of the game, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and, and it got it. And and I'm sure this year will be no different. Hundred <laughs> percent. And you know, just sort of. Well, actually, you mentioned Northampton Saints. There often come to to watch these things. And Northampton Saints are sort of other bit of news this week. Uh, this evening, as we record, uh, are starting Stowe's Henry Pollock at seven in the uh, in the Premiership Cup. He was on the bench last week. He was due to be on the bench. Uh, a couple of weeks before, but obviously everything ended up getting postponed. Um, Captain England under eighteen in the in the summer, Scottish qualified as well. Barnstorming performances in his lower sixth, um, but what an amazing achievement! You know, th- particularly this early in the season when you know we know that guys are still developing physically. Uh, to be to be getting that start is a a great re- recognition of what they think his capabilities might be. Yeah, I think again. Yeah, was a note uh, correct me so I, I'm I'm aware of Elliot Daly and of Sam Spink kind of in their six years making senior debuts I've tried to think of another forward who's done it uh, the most yeah, recent I'm I think sure. I can remember is maybe Marrow and that's okay like, so there you what, go so, so 10, 10 11 years, years ago fine yeah so, it's that, you know, so I think it's that it's incredibly impressive no matter what position you play um be doing it the, with a lower number on your shirt it's phenomenal for a, for a elite professional side to believe that you're physically capable of, of living with with that and I'm sure Henry is, is it is outstanding um and you know we've seen much up you know Bonnie Smith kind of one year out of Brighton College come on in the Prem Cup for for Quinn's I think he got he certainly got two if not three turnovers in his 20 minutes so it's great to see these young guys getting these chances yeah. but there's something really special about getting it whilst you're in school and you know amazing for everyone at Stowe amazing for Henry and his family and yeah, if you're if, you know if you're at all neutral in that game you know support Saints and likes it's pretty cool to have a schoolboy playing in a, in a game of professional rugby Oh yeah, if you're a fan of school rugby, you've got to be. You've surely got to be backing Saints in that one. You, know, <laughs> you, you want to see what he does. I just think you know. It, for me, a lot of it is the the time of year. Um, you know, we there's that you know, famous thing about how you know a September birth date is uh, is much more useful than a July one. Well, a September debut in professional rugby is, or an October starting debut is. Uh, is a lot bigger challenge than a than a March April one would be because you've got six months of development that that haven't occurred. I think it's incredible. Yeah, um, but what it what it leads us into, I suppose, is is the main topic today, which is transition. Um, Henry's obviously making that transition quite quickly, um, but it's a it's a differing process for everyone. 
Um, one, you've got you know, plenty of experience in, in terms of in terms of actually helping people begin that process, helping, you know, giving them a bit of guidance on that process, um, being around people who are the decision makers within that process. What's what's it like, I suppose, first of all, when you in your experience, when a player starts to realise that that transition towards the pro game is is something that's on the cards for them. What's what are the conversations like? Yeah, so, so generally, I guess so for those, it's probably a little bit of in some ways education. So around players, so quite commonly, if a if a club thinks a player's got a really really good shot of turning pro, they'll, they'll label them with what's called EAP status, which is England Academy player, um, which is actually the first is a contract of sorts that then is signed by parent and boys, which is around managing your time in that year and, and preparation. So it kind of tends to start around the end of lower sit, you know, and that will go from academy to academy director and have a conversation. And that that's actually complex and maybe something to come back to in a school's context because that actually gives then, once that's signed, gives the club quite a lot of power over the player. So they can then, for example, actually take players out of box of games to do a conditioning block or a skills or something like that and which then often boys and parents haven't quite realized they might mean that which there's a huge emotional attachment to the schoolboy game that's a different again to be fair to most academies fully understand how important schoolboy rugby is to young, to young players so get that so that's where it starts and you quite often see a kind of change in approach then, you know in terms of much more professional you know in terms of around 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 that point um in terms of people's mindset their preparation um it's hard you know that we have to understand that these boys will give contracts the reality is we'll give up a huge amount you know they will miss out on all sorts of natural bits of upper six you know which you know 18th birthday parties on they miss out on a lot of just being 17 you know because yeah. they're, they're having to be a professional athlete as well as a full-time student um I think a really important piece to talk about, you know, linked to the the Henry bit, you know, is that is that for every, let's see, you know, we hope Henry now will fly through and might even go straight through. And for every Marcus Smith, who obviously, yeah, is the lot. I've got, I'm going to be straight into a first team squad. Yeah, kind of is the reality of transition, which is you go from being, you know, someone people like ourselves talk about a huge amount, as in the handful of best players in the country. Yeah. To be being at the bottom of the pile, you know, to, to being you know, you're not necessarily the worst, but you're you're, you're not known, you're not recognised. You're, you're certainly not one of the players in the squad that people are talking about. Hundred <laughs> percent, and also your the reality is you're unlikely to play for that club. You know, you're you're likely to go out. To, you're going to get loaned to a to a lower division club because you need to play men's rugby. And that's really hard, actually. You know, around. And expectations differ. You know, I think sometimes uh, you, players who have a lot of hype come with huge expectations, so we do really well. And I don't know, so very kindly, Finn Baxter, someone who came in, went into the pro game with a huge amount of expectation and, you know, as a front row, managed to get some first team minutes in his first year out, which is absolutely phenomenal. And he's flying, you know, playing the championship and playing in the Prem Cup, he's flying. He's agreed to have a chat with us to kind of talk as a player's perspective, that would be fascinating. That would be amazing. As well. Yeah, but it's that, I think it's that in your head around that, that kind of that shit of actually, okay, like I'm, I'm not now the person that sets the tone 
you know, because you'll be looked to, to lead at your school and at your academy and all that stuff. But actually, now I've got to follow like for the yeah. first time in a few years uh, and I've got to learn what being a good follower looks like and what a good leader looks like. And I've got to get used to being at Harlequins or Bath for most of the week and then rocking up and playing uh, at, at Taunton or, or at Isha or at Rams or something like that. And it's, and that, or Worthing. And, and that's really hard, I think. And we can take it for granted. You know, it's also, it's not, boys aren't paid huge sums of money. They aren't paid the sums that people talk about at the top end of the game. No. So it's, it's, it's a really they're, tough Frankly, instance. they're barely paid, you know. Yeah, it's, 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 and certainly, you know, I'd be a huge advocate of a, of a minimum salary and, yeah. and to counter that i'd be an advocate of a maximum salary as well in yeah. order to afford it because i think i think we're in danger we're at the point where we're seeing young players making them make risks in a very physical game for, for not enough reward and actually some of those top one percent of earners sacrifice a bit of money to make sure these boys are in a fairer wage i would say yes but yeah. um i think it's that and you know i guess another bit linked for move on and go, go back to you is that is the physical side of it which links to what i've just said you know these you go from and again go back to henry very quickly you know you you go from being if you're a lower number player probably being physically dominant mm. um to struggling not everybody does some people let's go back to someone from our background someone like ben earl completely program ready pro game ready zach yeah. mercer pro game yeah. ready um not many people are though and it's i think it's understanding you're not meant to be it's that, you know, you're not meant to turn 18 and burst into the first team. You know, it's kind of your me- it's meant to take you. I think Lennox and Yanwu at the moment is a great example. Yeah. It was such a shining start um, from the age of 14, really, at CH. You know, he was and so much around him. And he's a fantastic player. It's taken him time. And, you know, and now he's still young, taking him a few years of going through the academy, going out on loan learning making mistakes getting better working really hard you know Lennox's work ethic is fantastic and then coming back and now we're seeing him play out of his skin harlequins in man of the match at the weekend well i think with him there's a real it's a real world example for people that they can relate to because yeah we saw him uh in the the beno urbano documentary behind the scenes with quinn's last year and and lennox played a big role in that partly because he wasn't playing that many games he had time but he was he was pretty open and honest about how hard he found it and how it, you know he'd weighed up whether he should be in the game or not and he'd you know the the conundrums of whether you talk to a coach and you say I I need to play a game, um, but he's worked through that and he's he's reaping the rewards now. I mean he's been absolutely fantastic for him. Um, yeah, yeah. But the game thing I think is a real key point because. Yeah, we've spoken about this. I think we spoke about it a couple of years ago, but uh, weeks ago rather, uh, probably a couple of years ago as probably well. Probably years ago, well, mate. But yeah, the England under twenties have had a real problem with the fact that yeah, their results haven't been great really in the last few years. But when you look at the average number of games played by the players within that setup, it's you know five, six, maybe seven games a year. That's not enough to play rugby in. As part of this transition conversation, we're talking about guys who, as you say, have gone from being superstar playing you know, all the time, particularly when they're even younger, you know, playing you know, probably probably more than they're letting on that they played, um, to suddenly playing six, seven games a year and being asked within that to develop physically, develop their skill set, develop their game understanding, and yet they're not playing any games. It's a 
it's a side of transition that I think is people need to be aware of going into it is that you're you may not get very many games even if you go out on loan because you may find yourself sat on the bench because then you're not with them all week so they want to play their guy that they know what they're getting from yeah 100 percent. you know there's no guarantee you know let's use i guess harlequin's players at worthy you know they'll have someone good that's a good level of rugby people turning up no guarantee you get picked. i think it's i won't name this i remember being up at broad street a couple of years ago for the game and a, and a guy who was just new into wasps came over and you go from the year before your academy manager speaking to your school coach saying look we've got to manage how much this guy's playing a lot of rugby we're worried about you know and that's that's right too you know and there's a lot around that you know if you look at progressive rugby and what people like 25 games of rugby a year i'd be an advocate for that i think that's a, that's a good number you know um but there's also he hadn't played a game of rugby for, for 14 months you know, he picked up. He wasn't getting picked at his loan club because he wasn't there. You need. He hadn't got a bit of luck. He needed, and this is. It's the sad reality, and we'll go kind of links to Lennox. Is as a young player, you need a bit. You need a senior player to get a little niggle. You know, if if Estazen was fit, he'd be starting Lennox, at twelve. Lennox would, have, Lennox would have started at the start yeah. of the season. That is, is the likely reality. We obviously weren't behind the scenes at preseason. No, but. but it's, it's, it would be surprising. Who, who would who would drop Esther Hazen kind of thing? Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. So there's you do need you need a chance. You, know, you need yeah. that to happen for you, and then you've got to grab it. There's a lot of things that need to go your way, and it's it. I'm hugely with you there. It's a problem. Now, let's not just identify problems. Let's try and no. solution. And I would. I think we. I think I don't want to speak for both of us, but you know, we've talked a lot. But, we both believe heavily in, in Buck Super. Buck Super yeah. has, has come on hugely. You know, the move to Buck Super in a national league has made it so good. The links with run clubs, you know, it's now if you're a professional rugby player, again, something people don't know, you there's a minimum standard of rugby. If you're allowed to play as a contracted player, you have to play at least level four or above. Yeah. The only level of university rugby is seen as that level is Buck Super. That's an important thing for young guys out there at schools on the edge of content who are looking at, and because that that's also the level of rugby that that, that academies will look at. That level below it, um, you know, Prem North, Prem South, they're pushing. You know, they look, but Buck Super is really if you want to push on as a rugby player, be looking at Buck Super Unis, and it's you know they you go to a Buck Super Uni if you get involved, whether you're in the first team and playing Buck Super or you're in, the, you'll get it. You're put in a team. You might have to fight really hard. If we go, let's go back to something we mentioned right at the start, middle lock, then yeah. great player, come out, you know, you know, went to Scotland 18s, actually invited back to England 20 this year, but it's chosen to stay with Scotland and stay loyal, which is fantastic. Good man, I like that. Yeah, 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 really good decision. Again, in terms of like loyalties undervalued as a as a, as a trait. And there's, um, you know, he's at Bath Union, or surely he'll start. Someone we're going to talk about later. He's got Tom Carr Smith as a student at the University of Bath, you know, a couple of years ahead of him. Now, Tom isn't involved in the Bath first team squad, or he'll play for Bath Uni. So, so Murdoch could easily play a second 15 game at Bath Uni. That'll still be a good game of rugby. And, it'll, and it's still better to play and get better, in my opinion. Let's play, let's get better, because you'll have other young players you want to get in the Buck Super team. You'll get probably at least, you know, as long as you stay fit, 
you know, which you need you know, 15 games of rugby, if not more through that. I would be, you know, and we've seen for the first time, a couple of boys from Sherbourne last year turned down going just full-time, go to university and balance that, um, which is fantastic. You know, Murdoch's doing a similar thing at Bath, you know, studying an economics degree whilst balancing playing professional rugby. Personally, and I'm admit being biased this as a teacher, I would advocate for that. If you're if you are one of well, those yeah. very lucky hand people like really, really think seriously about university and doing that. Hundred percent. I mean rugby yeah, you know, it's all it's all cliche, I suppose, but rugby is a short career. It can end at any point. You're never gonna earn enough money to be able to retire outright when you quit rugby. Why not do everything you possibly can to mitigate against that risk and against that certainty that it ends fairly early in life anyway? Um, you know, that's it's just common sense. I think if you have the ability, push yourself. You know, it's hard work. You've got to commit yourself to more than one thing at a time. But the reality is, you're setting yourself up for for the rest of your life and uh, and against the huge possibility that a you get injured or b rugby does what rugby does and you know there are only so many contracts that can be renewed and there's only only so many clubs and there's only so much salary cap um yeah. you know the the realities will will start to bite um but the game thing is you know that I'm I'm with you completely on buck super rugby in that you know it's a it's a great standard and it gives you games um you know I had a funnily enough I had quite an interesting chat with my dad we were just watching watching a game and he kept going on about you know these are professional players. How can they make such a simple mistake? And it was, it was like a 19, 20 year old lad. And I'm going, he doesn't know. Mm. It doesn't have game experience. So mm. it, you know, you, my dad, I mean, my dad was an all right player once upon a time, but my dad is mm. in his, is in his sixties. Um, so he's actually, he has a huge amount of game knowledge. He doesn't know he yeah. does, but he's accumulated it over the years. I mean, this is just a kid who's never, he's never actually been exposed to this that much and he's played four games this year you know, funnily enough his decision making's not on because he's not yeah. he's not had to make one um yeah. and it's you need games you need to have decisions presented in front of you in real life situations it's all very well sitting and doing an analysis session and saying what you would do in that situation but it's different when your heart rate's at 180 and there's a big lad coming to whack you you know yeah <laughs> like, yeah no, and it's also i think don't get and you're like you need games and you need to know you're going to play the week after. You know, you, I, I sometimes worry about, let's take the prem cup. These boys get pulled in and, you, and you're thrown into, like, you start second-guessing decisions. You know, you need to at some point just say, right, and, and this is where universities will be really good. They'll go, you're going to play the next six games. And you know, particularly, that's, we're going to talk about nine, say, so it's a yeah. key decision-making decision. You know, you're going to have to make mistakes. You, like, you just don't worry. Like, it's not all going to go right. You're going to get picked next week, right? And you need to know that. Don't force it. And that's again to your dad's point because young players again higher numbers now. We have to make a few more cerebral decisions quite often. They it might be like, oh, if I do this wrong, if I do try and counter attack here, rather than just kick return, and it goes wrong, I might not get picked next week in the next Prem Cup game, and I need to show what I can do. So I'm just going to kick return. Yeah. Yeah, we want to see you know, and that's and that's hard for having clubs to generate. I understand that universities have it. It's also you know, it's a, but even those other guys, it's just a great, it's a different experience. It gets you away. But in terms of your personal growth, as you said, you'll get a different skill. 
you'll get you'll meet different people from different backgrounds yeah. you know you'll go i think it's about being rounded and grow as a person as well and you know, i think university provides that and again it also opens the door to guys who might be listening to this and playing in their first team and, and not getting any love from their local academy this gets you in front of another audience this yeah. gets you into a whole different world. You can show, and we've sit, you know, we could, and maybe we will at some point, we could make a team of super graduates who are flying. You know, yeah. Alex Dombrant, probably the most high profile, but, you know, Luke Morthor, um, Simon Hammersley had an incredible career. He's actually, yeah. you know, Simon Hammersley's a great example. The Premiership, graduated from Durham, Premiership rugby for, for a few years, really well loved it. And because he's got a degree from Durham University, has now chosen to go and get a job working in finance. I mean, he's just he's got that choice, yeah, which is amazing. So, and he he's been the man in control of his decision making because of that, and you know that's as much as anyone can ask for really in life, let alone let alone a rugby player to be to be largely in control of your own decision making. Um, yeah. But also, I mean, it's it's a good point you make. You know, guys like guys like Don Brandt, guys like Northmore, where guys like Tom Pearson, yeah, these yeah. are guys that were were over in Cardiff at Cardiff Met. Um, and they're now playing over in over in London. So you already it shows you that you're exposing yourself to academies that you wouldn't necessarily, as a schoolboy, have been uh, exposed to. Although of course, you know Don Brown was was exposed to Quinns just because yeah. of being John Fisher. But the people anyone's allowed to look at you as an 18 year old, you're just restricted to your own catchment area. Once you're at uni, yeah, the, you know, there's a local, there's a local academy that's that's probably going to have the closest eye on you. But anyone in the country can come and watch, and anyone in the country can go. Do you know what we we need a an outside centre? And yeah, this lad at wherever it might be is playing is playing out of his skin. He's the one we need. Um, it, you know, you're all fourteen or thirteen or however many Premiership clubs we're going to be at <laughs> in the next few in the next few weeks and months. Um, we you know have the opportunity to have a look. Yeah, it's, and there's, I think it's, you know, these game gets, games get watched. They get put on something called the Elite Hub or the Buck Super Game. So they're there for any Prem Academy to watch. So you don't have to, it must be someone on the touchline. Yeah. Just, they can just upload the video. And I think it's understanding that point you made there about control is a massive one. Um, I think the nature of, I don't want to cast aspersion, but I think the power dynamic of relationships is always made to appear to be hugely in favour of the academy, you know, they control whether we're going to make it, you know, in inverted commas or not. I think it's just we need to challenge that and say, actually, you, know, you control that, and you don't have to stay put. You don't have to, you know, you can you can have it all. You can go to university and be a professional rugby player. You can, you know, trust yourself. You believe in yourself. I think. Um, I feel like Tom de Glanville is a great example. You know, I think you know Bath wanted him to go full time, and he, I think, if, if, certainly his mum, if not both parents, teachers, very keen on him getting a degree. And he said, "Look, I'm going to go and get a degree." And so he went actually went off to Leeds. He said, "Attached to Bath," um, and actually after two years, his rugby was going so well, he came back to go full time. I think and has taken a little bit longer to do his last year, doing the rest of it part time or something. Yeah, yeah Jack Kenningham, I think something similar yeah. you know trust yourself yeah. and, and actually you know that you've got a lot of power and influence you know if you just kind of on yourself work really hard and and i believe it'll go well i think it's 
trying to get that message out there is is something for young players, for parents, young players, because sometimes academies can make it seem as though it's it's them or done, and that is not the case at all. There's a world of opportunity out there. Well, there are three things that if you get them right, you know, it's in your control. If you if you play well, if you work hard, and if you present yourself as a sort of character that that people want to have around. People are going to stay interested, and new people are going to become interested because that's all. That's really all you need. Um, you know, if you if you've if you've got that far, all the other bits, you know, sadly being the right shape, etc., are you know they're going to be in place. Um, yeah. So just you know, work hard, play as well as you can, and, and be as good a character as possible. Any dressing room will want you. Yeah. Yeah. No. Completely. And then it's as we said when we'll talk again at this bit more thin. It's then just understand is the next step it professional rugby university rugby or adults club rugby it's a step you know because again a lot of our audience won't go into a pro career they'll go into university and that's still massive you'll be into a pool of freshers you know if you particularly if you go to a strong rugby playing uni you you might go from being one of the you know the best five players to just another guy at freshers trials and it's it stick with it you know, you know do those three things you just talked about um the games and it, it will work in the end. You know, university rugby gets a right. It's changed dramatically in terms of, particularly at those Buck Super, and you know, I think you know, at places like Northumbria who have slipped out of it, places like Bristol who were pushing hard. You know, they've really professionalised their setups. We're not. There are still a few out there that are that are rogue, of course, but check, and check that out if rugby is important to you. But most, and I professionally run. They aren't coached by their mates. It's not people picking their mates. They're, they're well run. They want to develop their players. They want to develop their people. So understand it. It's not going to be easy. It won't slide in. It wasn't easy when you first went to school. When you arrived as an under 12 or an under 14, you didn't expect to get in the first 15. You wanted to get in the under 12 A's, the under 14 A's. Exactly. It's like, yeah, so what's the equivalent of that? Well, it might be the freshest 15. It might be the third or second 15. Yeah. You know, whatever that is. Just set yourself little achievable goals and, and work and do those three things you said and work towards it and yeah. i think and yeah when and if anyone ever, like reach out to us you know we're always willing yeah. to if we can ever be of any help to anybody then you know, reach out via all, all the all the social media channels and we're more than willing to give any more advice that where we can yeah 100 percent. and yeah i mean on that sort of yeah just for for lads who are just going off to university and, and wanting to play a, a level of rugby i mean the thing that I can tell you from from my time at uni and uh, and lots of other people's experiences. When you turn up, there's thousands of people wanting to play in the team. It is almost inevitable that you will start off in the wrong team because basically people can only see what they see and they might only catch 20 minutes of you and it might be 20 minutes where you didn't touch the ball. So they put you in, a I don't know, whatever, a freshers third team or something. And then you play a game and they go, oh, wow, this guy's, you know, shouldn't be in this team. And there's a guy who did the one magic thing that he's ever going to do. And he ended up in the first team. And after one week, they go, we've got that wrong. We need to move him. Yeah, you, the patience to stick, uh, to stick through it is, um, is a big thing because People don't make all their all their decisions correctly straight away, but they they do tend to get there in the end. Um, so just you know, have a bit have a bit of patience, have a bit of faith in yourself is uh, the the biggest lesson I think that that people can take. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I'm sure we're going to end up talking more and more about transition through through the year because it's a it's a massive topic and obviously as we get sort of through the season we will start seeing people you know like Henry but but others as well emerging as as being a part of that um that transition process and uh, there'll be guys we can identify I mean I, you know not to I don't want to start singling out people too much and and heaping pressure on them but you you start to see you start to see that progression from people through lower sixth into upper sixth into what they can do. There are guys that you maybe think at lower sixth, everyone seems to rave about him, but he doesn't seem that good. And then as he's just gone through, you see, oh, okay, they saw something mm. and they've developed it. So I, I've no doubt we're going to come, we're going to come back to it, but uh, we will, we'll, we'll jump through because we don't have, we don't have heaps of time. We'll take a look at our top five teams of the weekend. So this week's top five, it was a hell of a weekend. We've got so so many teams that that played some great rugby. Um, one of the best things I think we had some like high scoring, mad games. Um, one of the teams that that I I'd like to see in there is is St Paul's, for just a mad game, forty one thirty three at Radley, is like it just chaos. Just try tries everywhere. Running rugby, school rugby at its best. Just everyone. Uh, everyone having a having a, a good time um yeah. absolutely it sounds amazing yeah it sounds like yeah sort of score you like seeing yeah i agree that's great yeah it was great fun and it's some really tight ones you know the i thought the oratory um against bishop wordsworth you know bishop wordsworth got you know amazing um amazing track record particularly for a state school um but the oratory just just nicking it 15 14 but yeah. um I think I reckon. Well, I'm, I'll probably end up arguing the case for St Paul's, but I know that um, one school. Lots of people have been telling us that how can we not have them in so far, and we very nearly put them in last week. Um, it's said, but but they, I mean, another great weekend from them. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and, and I think I think at some point, and I'm sure we will eventually. I'd certainly would like to see them there. Is we have to reward them for just for meeting our incredibly high expectations <laughs> yeah. of, of them. And, you know, you, they've beaten what's, what's put in front of them. Uh, again, it's interesting. It'd be interesting to speak to Ips, which I, you mentioned that I didn't know that, that cup result for, before you said that there. And it's, you know, whether how, how that impacted that Ipswich side, do you know what I mean? Whether, cause yeah. that would have been a hard ask, you know, a really hard physical game to, to go up North and, you know, worth considering when you look at cup results and you know well who, what have they played the Saturday before how's that look like uh, what's that look like and it, I think always really good and really impressive from Ipswich you know that they've honoured the fixture they haven't sort of prioritised a cup and sort of because like, sometimes people will cancel games to sort of go yeah. there and it's nice to see that and it's but maybe it's hurt them this year but I'm sure they'll come back be be, be stronger for it oh, but, it's a massive experience and it's a it's a yeah. real sort of a sign of their their ambitions and their efforts that they're you know they're prepared to go up to Sedba, knowing it will be tough. Um, I think from from what I've heard, it was uh, classic Sedba weather weather as well. I think midway through the second half, the rain came chucking down, and uh, that was when Sedba started to to score a few points. Local knowledge coming in handy. Uh, I think Dan's frozen on me, so I'm going to just jump through a couple of the I'm other. Here. I'm here. Oh, I think you're still I'm there. Here, you're yeah, still sorry. there. Sorry, that's um, all right. So it's not. No, I think you're right. I hear you. So, so playing on Busk, we talked about that in in the in, in the first week, like really hard. But I think Sedba, 
you know they are they they're a hell of a side, and I think yeah they 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 just for me I think both of us deserve to be in that in that top five. Yeah, I think another one for me that that probably gets a slot is uh, St John's Leatherhead. Um, RJ yeah. Skilford, we saw at the start of the season had that amazing result, first win in eleven years against Epsom College. Epsom College then beat St John's Leatherhead in their in their derby game. Now all of these are quite close games, so you're expecting a close game, but I suppose if anything, you make you make RGS the narrow favourites in that, but just clinching it, narrow victory, St John's Leatherhead, twenty one nineteen. That'll be a real boost for them because RGS have you know rightly had a a, a lot of good uh, good things said about them, and will continue to because they're clearly a very good side this year. But it'll be a real confidence boost to that for St John's just to have. To have managed to to get the feather in the cap against someone who's who's been so well respected so far this year. Yeah, and I think it shows, and I, I agree they should be in the top five. I think it probably shows how how tight it is, you know, outside of a and again, we're not trying to be elitist when we talk about this, but I think we we do agree there is a bit of a gap between those very top schools and that kind of next band underneath. But within that band, it, it's really tight. And actually Massively. what we're seeing, I think what we see there is Probably a game that RGS Guildford, based on what they've done so far, might we might have expected them to to just nick it. But St John's have shown now they've got quality too. Like they're they're going to work hard and and yeah, great result and and you know should be will be rewarded by yeah by by being in that in that top five um, sides of the week. Kind of I think linked to that, well, almost more maybe perhaps more linked to the Sedba thing as a team who. Flew last year in in Berkhamsted, who mm. maybe would like look like they they weren't quite going to be the the same side at the start, but you know they've they've gone down to Seaford, you know, which is a a good Seaford side. You know they mm. they they pushed Wellington College, you know, hard the week before, um, and and come away with the with with you know what looks like a, a great game uh, in a in a thirty six sixteen win. I think they scored a couple latest to kind of put a bit of a gloss on it, but it's you know. Again, who knows? Maybe it was missing a couple of guys, a couple of guys back, or just coming into form, things clicking. But that that's a that's a great result. Whether they'll make it or not, but they'd be one for me that kind of be in the mix. I think again, and uh, certainly worthy of mention. Anyway, yeah, I think so. And they, for me, they they make it for doing that thing that I always quite like, which is where a side kind of creeps up on you in terms of what they're doing. So I I don't think they've dropped a game yet, and yet. As you say, there's been a sense of oh, are they quite what they were, are they quite not, and and then they're just playing slightly better, slightly better opponents, and still managing to get the job done. And you start going, okay, yeah, fair enough, going well, and probably on that same theme, probably the side I'd jump in for the for that fifth slot with, which is Oakham, who again, yeah, haven't dropped a game yet, haven't really been spoken about very much. Um, but have just kept plodding along, plodding along, putting in some really good performances. And then on the weekend, putting in a good performance against a side that, you know, are, are always competitive um, in and amongst that circuit and Bromsgrove and, you know, pretty decent victory as well, 36-12. So I think the Oakham, Oakham deserve a, a huge shout out for for that in a similar in a similar sense to to Berkhamstead with that, with that kind of just just sort of lingering around long enough and then everyone goes, hey, hang on, looking pretty good, actually. Yeah, no, I think that's, and I think that ends us, I think that gives us a, a, a pretty good, a pretty good top five. But you said, you know, there's, 
a couple of scores, I'm sure. Yeah, it's that Camper Blundell's game looked look yeah. great as well. Um, but yeah, I think that sounds about right and will lead us into you know looking at the weekend because that I don't know all the games you'll know better than me, but that Burke Hampstead Harrow game, you know, yeah. where we certainly will know by the end of Saturday afternoon a lot about both sides. I think yeah. that you know, that now looks like you know, our our Burke, you know, I think so maybe at the start. This is you know. I'll be honest, probably would have considered Harrow to be ahead this year and probably in that kind of top five with Burko near the top of that chasing pack, if you want. You know, a, a chance here for Burkhampton to say, no, actually, we're in that. We, we are, we, we've separated ourselves and we're, we're pushing more towards that tier. And, 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 you know, they've got great links, great programme there. So that's an exciting game of rugby uh, this weekend, you know. As, really as exciting one. Championship that. game, a big side. Massively exciting on that because there's, you've got the, both have had... Berkhamstead were playing Newhall yesterday in the Cup, I think. Harrow playing St Benedict's today in the Cup. I would imagine yeah. both have had to do a bit of management of player load uh, to get through that. And you know, which games are they compromising? Which ones are they not? Are they compromising? There's a lot. There's a lot to manage there. Um, yeah, ahead of ahead of such a big fixture on Saturday. So that's. I think that's going to be an absolutely fascinating one. Obviously, that Wellington College v v Millfield game as well, which. Yeah you will be able to catch live here on Next Gen 15. The other bit of the weekend, I, I, I don't want to spend ages on it, but that just sort of, um, it was a topic I kept coming back to in, in looking ahead to the weekend. And I guess looking back on it now is, um, you know, a couple of massive derbies, you know, KCS Wimbledon against Wimbledon College uh, yeah. in, in the cup, which KCS won, which is that derby that's, you know, turns out it's an even closer neighbor neighbor than I thought. We got sent a photo literally from the door of one where you could see the door of the other. <laughs> um, and Whitgift, uh, John Fisher being back in that Saturday slot. But it's sort of a, I suppose what one's always about, not specific to those two, but is the the importance or not of 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 those kind of local derbies? You know, we see the pupils get really excited by it. We see engagement with past pupils at a much higher level with those local derbies. And while they have the potential sometimes to get a little bit over the top, it feels to me like they're very important fixtures on the calendar because they are, they do what rugby is meant to do, which is bring the whole wider school community or, you know, in a more global sense of normal rugby the, or adult rugby, bringing a community together, but bringing that whole school community together around around something and it they always feel a bit different and a bit special to me yeah and I, I think again a word you've used a couple of times there that's the key one is for me is community you know is you know school nope we lost you there for a second dan on my back sorry yeah you're back you're back we got got you as far as the word community yes yeah schools schools are more than just one constituent part be it their academics or their sport or their music and these games tend to bring all those parts together because you know whether it's people have looked at both schools and they've got friends they've probably got friends at both schools stuff like that and it's from, from what we see and what we know, you know, the, the John Fisher Whitgift game, having not been on a Saturday for a while, you know, went off really well on, on Saturday. And that's so kind of so pleased for that because it is a special day. And yeah, the, the, the Wimbledon derby's been the same, like that that kind of before the Whitgift Fishman got a bit out of hand, that one had the same. People are getting that right now. So 
no, they're, they're special days um, for all those games. Lots of old boys will come back. Lots of, you know, previous parents will come back and have a nice day and people will meet up. They become quasi reunions for former sides and no, 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 they're great. And, it, and it's really good to see them there on Saturdays as key parts, as you say, you know, you know of, of what schools do and and going off well, like like go, going really well and, you know, with being passionate but but not boiling over so yeah amazing yeah I, I just think they're really really special occasions um so i think we've got the top five settled berkhamstead oakham sedbert st john's leatherhead and st paul's good mix yep. there i think that's that's pretty nice would well, let us know on uh, on at next gen 15 if you agree with us or disagree let's, wrong we are. let's let's have some agreement everyone everyone feeling the positivity this week um on to the other bit that i'm sure will create lots of debate our school's 15 of the decade we're on scrum halves this week so the pack is complete so just run everyone through the pack in case they've in case they're just catching up so we've got Benno Urbano from Dulwich College, Alfie Barbary from Bloxham and Finn Baxter from Wellington College in the front row, Chris Shunzer from Whitchurch High and Joel Kapoki from Oakland's College in the second row. Bit of a fudge between Tom and Ben Curry from Aundel on the blindside flank, Ben Earl from Tunbridge at seven and Zach Mercer at Merkiston Castle at eight. That's a pack that's doing well. No, no one's, no one's beating that pack. I'm happy with that. This size on the front foot. Yeah, so we want a scrum half. I mean, it's an easy ride for the scrum half here. But, <laughs> but we've got. I mean, I was pulling a pulling a list of options together, and they're just they're just mad. We've got so many. Um, there's a lot in here that you you know pretty well, um, having worked closely with them or or certainly seen them close up. Um, and I guess one that we might as well talk about that we've mentioned a little bit: Murdoch Lock. Um, sensational for you um, you know injuries and stuff kind of got in his way but he's 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 found an alternative route through as we've as we've talked about yeah look I, I will admit so again kind of you know admission I've known Murdoch a, a really long time so actually I've known him since since a prep school and him and his family um, and you know, coached him I was lucky enough to coach him and his older brother you know Finley who I think his older brother one of the best players I've coached to not get a contract then. Um, so I'll admit to having, you know, a, a bit of a bias there, which I'm sure people <laughs> see about. But I think for me, what stands out about Midlock is so for anyone, his like journey through an under-15 cup winning side where he really was positionless going into being an under-16, which is quite unusual for a, for nine, quite often nines have nine stamped on their back from kind of because because they're little or they can or they whatever they're quick, um, and he became a nine in that end of sixteen year. I, I think he worked so hard at it that by the time he was in his lower six, which unfortunately or the end of that, it, you know, which he only got a couple of handful of games because of because of the pandemic, you know, you couldn't tell that he just moved there. You know, his service was class, his box kick was probably of a professional standard in, in reality, but by the time he was in his, certainly in his upper sixth year of school. But what distinguished Murdoch from a lot of nines was his point of, you know, to use an Eddie Jones, isn't there? Is that point of difference? His fact he can attack, he can fend and go. You just talked about that break against Millfield. He's he's a, he's a game breaker. Like He will break things up for you. For me, one of the most exciting, Murdoch could 
and did you know win your game a rugby you know what by doing something completely unexpected um now in the end harlequins decided that with any player that there's a bit of risk and so um he ended up not with harlequins but the bath system's like this this guy's exciting and i've taken and i've and i've got him in board he's doing that and i and i, and I think with you know him and another guy who's probably in this conversation, Tom Carr-Smith, uh, yeah, having who I'll, who I'll leave you to talk about Tom uh, in a minute, we'll, we'll push each other hard at Bath, and so I think Murdoch probably, I think there's probably a couple. Missed so much schoolboy rugby. It's about what you do in, in that schoolboy shirt, and it's relatively at first team. Uh, a small sample size I think probably just misses out but certainly a great player and and yeah I'll kind of I, I think you want to talk about Tom a couple of others I'll... yeah I mean well uh, just a little thing on Murdoch from me which is one of the things that impressed me most about him was uh, with Scotland under 18 in the under 18 Six Nations Festival last year team he'd not really spent a huge amount of, amount of time, time with at that, at that point and he he basically came in and was was the man he was he was running the team um from nine and was playing like a sort of french petit general he was he was he was in charge and kind of goes back to our earlier point about being being in a new environment and he was in a pretty new environment and was i don't know what was what 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 the situation would have been off the field for him but certainly on the field he was he was a the man the character the leader in in that squad and it was it was impressive to see but yeah Tom Carr Smith as well we've had loads of suggestions on Instagram about Tom actually and biggest thing I remember about Tom was Sherburn played I think it was 2019 Schools Cup semi-final he was he was brilliant and he'd been brilliant all season and he he was playing like an adult rugby scrum half at school level yeah uh, but he wasn't getting any England under 18 recognition but Bath were making him captain of their under 18s and were basically going, this guy is definitely being contracted. You know, it was a it, it was a sure thing kind of in in their mind. Um and he's obviously he's since gone on to get England under twenties recognition and stuff and some first team appearances, etc. But in terms of his schoolboy forms, I just think he's a really interesting one because it was different people were obviously recognizing him in different ways. Um but I thought I thought he was sensational. I thought he was a he was playing adults rugby as a as a boy kind of thing, um, which just really impressed me. Uh, another guy that I just want to chat about very quickly because he's honestly one of the most exciting schoolboy players I've ever seen. I I don't think he'll make this team at nine. There's several other positions he could make the team in, <laughs> but Tom Whiteley at Millfield, who just he used to just be the most electric player. I've ever seen. I think I first saw him at St. Joseph's Festival when I think he may have been an under 16. He looked like an under 14 and yet he terrified everyone. Absolutely terrified them. Um, he's kind of, he was, he was bounced around between Bath and Quinns and stuff at an under 18 level. He eventually got picked up by Saracens on the back of an incredible Ross and Part 7's performance. He was the, the most exciting player to watch um i mean probably gets let down on this team by the fact that sort of was he a nine was he a 10 was he 15 was he you know, basically he was a find a way to get him on the team sheet and worry about where it is later uh so he was one that really used to excite me another one who was basically his contemporary um and he, he played some incredible fixtures against uh was rory brand another wellington college boy yeah, who 
played some some brilliant stuff. Another Wellington College boy actually who had a sort of England versus Scotland debate to to get himself through. Um, he was he was great. Harry Randall is another one we've sort of spoken about who yeah, was was fantastic in Wales, moved across to Hartbury College, but kind of a bit late to make it into this squad, but um, just electric. Um, another Scott worth a mention who I think was, he was standout every time I saw him play, but I didn't really get to see him play that much, was Jamie Dobie, who... Oh, I yeah. remember a Ross in part sevens where he was just frightening and absolutely terrifying. Um, you don't, you don't often see scrum halves tend more, more often than not. I think when I'm watching them to be kind of often the more do your job type, because it's mm. about releasing those outside. Every time I saw him play, he did those basics, but everything was buzzing around him. Um, and it was it was amazing to watch him deal with trying to be selfless, but yeah. seeing seeing gaps everywhere, and just yeah, at some point you have to just give in to the temptation and go. And every time he went, it was magic. Yeah, uh, no, and I think there's a really interesting point you make there that maybe as we got two points that is you know a couple of guys you mentioned is he's coming through sevens, and it's you know that's another little. Not a little, it's another pathway boys can use, and, and particularly with Tom. You know, I, I mean, obviously, you know, Tom in some ways was a got a 50s contract on the basis, but not on. He was obviously fantastic, and he's a fantastic 50 inside player. But his sevens was terrifying, you know. And it's that, and it would have been if that was funded better. You know, it would have been amazing to see him to see him play more to more professional sevens. But it, and he's understandably, you know, pushed his 15 aside career. But and seeing Jamie there, but it's also this idea that you know why there does seem to be a lot within the English schoolboy system of you know we've talked about a lot of players who can do something a bit different uh, you know be it Harry Randall with his just with his electric pace or middle of the step or say Jamie making decisions you know Tom sidestepping people whereas there seems to be a lot of emphasis on you know releasing players and, and whether you know when you know that's when we don't spend a lot of time talking about the the super elite level of the game but you can make an argument there's that in South Africa France Wales you know and that's particularly Wales England for me and this isn't just because I'm Welsh that there's probably more high quality Wales stacking up at first team yeah. behind you know, than there is in England and is that something to do with what's happening about what we expect of nines um but that's maybe we can get into that in a bit I think my suggestion for to, to kind of get get the shirt then uh it's so we go back to and i'm thinking about this comes mainly from again someone who who made their school team miles better um who yeah. and i and i would actually say with this with this particular player left a legacy that meant his school was significantly better for a, for a period of time yeah. um and that's jack Maunder from from blundells I, I mentioned him in our very first um episode his similar in some ways to to Finn in that his his kind of his quiet mature leadership was really yeah. impressive but just an incredible player so you know Blundell's a school who have always sat doing pretty well but you know quite often would lose a few boys so you know um Matt Kavezic you know, you know felt had to move on to go to Worcester Six from college they'd lose guys to Ivy Bridge Jack one of the first that chose to stay yeah to, to finish his education um, at Blundell's 
that first team then pushed on to sort of, you know, from always being completely second to all of a sudden you're pushing Millfield hard um, in games for a few years. Following Jack, when Jack then went on to make Champions Trophy sem- you know, semi-finals and a final, you know, and I think, and they started attracting guys then, people started wanting to go there. And I think yeah. that can be directly attributed back to, to Jack's decision to stay um, and, and what he then did and led that team to. Um, you know, I, I think who, and someone who's gone on, coincidentally, to have a phenomenal first-class career as well, still playing, you know, and fighting with his brother, who also could be in the mix for this team. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, There's two of them that we could make <laughs> an argument for. Uh, yeah, um, for, for a shirt at, at Chiefs. And, and again, there's a little bit of, you know, personal knowledge and, and proximity there in terms of working with Jack that gives me, that probably gives me a little bit of bias on it, but it, in terms of leaning towards him over some of the others. But for me, Jack, Jack was standout. Um, and I think it's as well as much, if some of the guys really shone an England shirt, really shone an academy shirt, Jack did both of those as well as being absolutely outstanding in a Blundell shirt and pushing his school forward to access the next level. Um, so well, for me, there's, there's Jack, a reason that Eddie Jones took him on an England tour. Yeah. You know, when he was completely wet behind the ears, it wasn't, you know, it, in the mainstream media level, it was it was seen as a bit rogue and it, it might have been a bit too soon for him, but there was a logic behind it, um, which was what, what Jack had done as a, as a teenager. Um, and I think I really like the point of, you know, what makes a good school player or what makes a great school player. I think it is that ability. You know, some people are just very lucky in that they're in a great environment full of really talented players. But a, a big thing is that, that ability to raise the standard of everyone around you yeah. just simply by your existence and what you do, how you lead, how you play. And he's he's an amazing example of that. Another amazing example of that, I think, is another guy who um, who who is going to be in with a shout here is Alex Mitchell up at Lim High School. He's yeah. sort of the other way around from from Jack, I suppose, uh, in that Jack was then followed by his younger brother, Sam. Alex was preceded by his older brother, um, I think he's called Jamie Mitchell, um, who, was a, who was a top, top player as well. But Alex came in and raised the standard even yeah. even higher. And um, I, mean, I actually, actually remember, you know, we, we talked about Tom and Ben Curry last week. I remember... I think it was a schools cup quarterfinal at Oundle. Um and the curry the curry twins have been untroubled basically by anyone they came up against and then Alex Mitchell came for um for Lim High School and was such a threat around the fringes that they were yeah. occupied and it wasn't yeah. that it wasn't that he was doing anything that you'd come away going god that scrum half was incredible he was just occupying them, but by occupying them, everyone else could play, and suddenly you had an even game. Whereas, you know, the no one else had been able to do that, particularly because there was two of them. You know, how <laughs> how do you occupy two curries? You know, um, but he he, I think, on a similar level to Jack, just uh, yeah, he took a took a good group and it elevated them to to sort of super 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 competitive status. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess a lot of people will ask us. There are two young young scrum halves that are fighting to get in the England team right now, or you know, have in Jack Van Portfleet's case, kind of is looking like he is the England yeah, scrum half right like now. Um, 
you know, I was at school at Oakham and then Rafi Quirk up at, up at Sale, who, who was at St. Ambrose College. Um, both very good school players, absolutely no doubt about it. I remember seeing Rafi Quirk, Quirk I think it was a 16-year-old or something, and, and Jack obviously up at Oakham doing some brilliant things. And, you know, you could easily make an argument for them. Yeah. Um, I think, well, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think where we're going to land is is more on one of these guys that elevated what was going on around them, um, which is not to say that what the other guys were doing wasn't wasn't as good. It's just to say that probably they what they've done really well is kick on yeah. rather than rather than necessarily you know their outstanding years being their school years. Yeah, and I and I, I think it's I'd agree there in terms of. And sometimes you need the right situation. And, you know, I don't know as much about Ruffy and Jack, you know, but Ruffy and Jack, I remember seeing them as young players and certainly in, you know, in their academy shirts, seeing them all, and I saw them in school shirts and, and they were stand up. It's about that dragging other schoolboys with you. And I think, yeah, in, in Alex and Jack, they're, I think Alex's team's in the 15s, got to the cup final, might have got to the yeah. cup final as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, and it's... So yeah, I would say, I think you know, I would say Alex Mitchell, Jack Maunder, just because of yeah what they, the infection they seemed to sort of you know positive with what they had on on the group around them. Um, so I I'd go go with one of those again. Literally, oh, I mean that. I mean you know, I mean they're both flying really well at the moment. So I I'd probably slightly lean towards Jack, but again Alex is was was outstanding that limb team I'd, I'd almost I'd, I'd written him down written him down and then I'd, as we started talking I'd, I'd kind of forgotten there and then as you brought it back up I was like yeah no that's to me that's the that's that's the cost toss of the coin so well and also that's um, that's a state school that you know guys like Alex dragged to I think it was a, an under 18 semi-final that that's a rare thing that um doesn't yeah, happen so that m- often m- I think yeah, well, I think that's a really good point. And again, probably, I mean, I guess you could say, well, you know, has Jack's legacy been a bit longer? But but, but yeah. I think, as you said, the the limb in that moment were in goal conversations and really special, led by Alex Klebin. And so yeah, I think for that reason, yeah, I think you've you've persuaded me. I was, I was pretty firmly on Jack, but I think you're right there. Yeah, I think I think Alex Mitchell's probably probably our nine. All right, I can go with that then. Alex Mitchell from Lim High School gets the nine shirt. Um, just a couple of other other names that I just want to throw out there because they just yeah you know, they did some brilliant things. I thought Ben Douglas last year for England under eighteen was a a really good good player up at Gosforth Academy. Um, Will Porter from Merchant Taylors, you know, coming from from a fairly small rugby background, um, performing incredibly well, um, and then and then going on, you know, he's starting to get real recognition with Wasps now. Ben White, another one who yeah, probably didn't get didn't get an opportunity to shine that much with in his school shirt, which is why we've not really talked about him too much. Um, but certainly in his academy shirt through the age grades was was fantastic. And um, played first team. Still, I mean, still I mean, played first team at school, didn't he? Yeah, I think, I think so. And he he's still he's the owner of what I think is one of the greatest debut moments I've ever seen, where he came on for Scotland last year as a what was it a blood injury replacement or a head injury replacement or something he was on the field for about four minutes scored a try trotted off and he gets and he gets the win on debut you know that's <laughs> just as cool as it gets um 
going back a little bit, Will Homer at Sherburn was was awesome. And among the ones to keep an eye on this year, I think it's Archie McParland up at Stowe. Yeah. Um, and, oh, and Sam Bryan from Felstead as well um, deserves yeah, a bit of a shout-out. Excellent. But I think you're right. I mean, beforehand, we were saying Jack Maunder, Alex Mitchell, that's where we feel like we're going. I'm pretty happy with Alex Mitchell. Yeah. Um, so Alex Mitchell is our scrum half. I'll tell you what, Alex Mitchell playing behind that pack on the front foot is yeah. going to be having a great time. <laughs> so much space for him to go and occupy. Um, fly halves next week. I think that might be a shorter conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've a got lot one. of players, but there's, there's a, a few that have... Yeah, there's a there's an awful lot of very good fly halves. Um, but yeah, there's, there's probably one that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we'll uh, we'll see where we get to. Um, that's been that's been good stuff. We're going to be back next week with our St Joseph's Festival preview. Uh, we'll also be looking at the Merkinson Castle Festival as well, uh, plus a few other really exciting fixtures. Sebra against Blackrock College is. Um, jumping off the page for me uh sort of fixture i love to see top school from the uk against top school from ireland we know about that irish schools program we hear about it all the time in terms of what leinster are doing in terms of their connection with the schools very excited to see to see how that one goes yeah yeah that's it's gonna be yeah yeah, it's gonna be good fun um but that's it for this week we're uh gonna be back next week with all of that But in the meantime, please get in touch with your thoughts on that scrum half selection for the schools team of the decade. Give us your fly half suggestions as well for next week. Um, We're going to be getting into that. Top five, Berkhamstead, Oakham, Sedbert, St. John's Leatherhead and St. Paul's. Let us know your thoughts there and do keep in touch through the week with how your your schools are getting on. Um, We'll be more than happy to consider them for next week. But in the meantime, have a great weekend. Uh, Dan, enjoy the rest of your time in Wales. And make sure you stay in touch with us on at NextGenXV, at NextGen15 on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. And you can listen to us on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and you can watch us on YouTube. Thanks very much, everyone. We will see you next week. (laughs) 